Matthew 13. Now, Jesus gives a parable to the crowd, and then he comes back, and he explains this parable to his disciples. I love what Andrea said today in live class, how that we cannot call ourselves Christians if we are not disciples of Jesus. It's, it goes hand in hand. You're a, you're a student of the Lord. You're a follower of Christ, but we, we must walk in discipleship. So the Lord is revealing to his disciples. He is showing them what this parable means in its essence. Now, as he spoke to that Jewish crowd, they all understood how to sow a field. It was an agrarian society, and they understood as that many of them had plowed and planted their own field. What's amazing is they would plant their, their field at the same time they were plowing. They would hook up their oxen or their donkey or, or whatever team that they were pulling with or a single animal, a beast of burden, and then they would put a loosely woven basket full of seed. And as they would go out and and plow, the seed was falling into the ground the same, at the same time. And that's where we see there are different types of soil. Now, I said that once for those who may not understand my, my, my southern vernacular. We call it soil. So, it, soil and soil is the same thing, okay? So, we're, let's look here to the word of the Lord and let's go to the Lord once more. Father, we magnify your name, able and mighty and wonderful. Lord God, are you. We are grateful, Lord, today that we can gather. Lord, we don't take for granted, Lord, the opportunities that we have, Lord, to come together and to worship you. Lord, we are so privileged today that we can petition the throne of grace. And Lord, we truly find help in time of need. Now, Lord, you know, Lord God, more than I, that I can do nothing without you. Lord, I pray for the anointing, the empowering of your spirit. Let us see through your eyes and hear what you would say to the church. Lord, we love you and we magnify you in Jesus' name. Now, let's look here in Matthew 13, beginning in verse 18, as Jesus gives the spiritual explanation of the parable that he just spoke about. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, talking about the word of God, and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes, snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who receives the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the, wor the word. He becomes unfruitful. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some, some hundred, sixty, some thirty fold. Now, as we look at this, I want us to see something. There is a variable 
and there is a constant. There is a variable and there is a constant in this parable. Now, as we've declared and what we see is that the word of God, as we'll talk about in a minute, that's our constant. But the variable is the soil. So when the word is going forth, and it still holds true today in this congregation, I have a one in four chance of reaching good ground. As a sower of the word, a teacher, a preacher of the word of God, a prophet of the word of God, an evangelist, a ministry of the word, you have inevitably, any time that you are casting seed of God's word, you have a one in four chance that it's going to land on a heart prepared to receive it. Now we see that the first soil type that Jesus speaks about is the wayside here. And it almost feels unjust as a person that would not understand the word, the fowls of the air representing the spiritual darkness in the air would come along and they would snatch away the seed. But see, it's not left up to the fowls of the air whether or not to receive the word. It's whether or not the person whose heart is ready to receive the word. They willfully refuse. So in other words, this is the willful resistant here. You may be sitting in the crowd today or you may go to church and all of it sounds like nonsense to you and so you refuse to hear the word of God. Now don't get mad at me. I just got your attention. This is what the word tells us. That you come and you just, you willfully resist. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. I know full well because once I was a sinner. Once I was bound in darkness in my own self-destructive behavior, got invited to a little Bible study group. I thought, these guys are a bunch of nerds. I don't want to listen to what you have to say. See, I was the wayside, willful, resistant hearer of the word. I just pushed it out. I didn't want to hear it. Some seed fell on stony ground. Now, the stony ground here is this. He is the unrooted hearer of the word. Don't make, me come, don't make me come back there. I'll get you. Amen, amen. Praise God. The unrooted hearer of the word. This is the one who takes hold of the word, but will not allow the word to take root in them. The, the unrooted hearer is the one who is the convenient, comfortable so-called disciple of Christ. In other words, they're the ones that will receive the word, but when they are challenged according to the word, then there's no root in them. And so when the sun comes out, they're scorched. I was once a wayside hearer, a, a, a willfully resistant hearer of the word, but I was also an unrooted hearer of the word of God. And I would go to church and I would receive the word, but then I'd go into the workplace and then all of a sudden somebody would challenge me and then I would melt under the pressure. I was a comfortable hearer of the word. Now we see another, an, another example of a hearer, and this all has to do with the condition of the heart. The, the thorny hearer, the one who is riches-oriented 
hearer of the word of God. This is one who the cares of this life sweep them away. This is the one who Jesus describes as more interested in earthly riches than they are eternal riches. We could say it like this. Work is more important than worship. A paycheck is more important than praise as a lifestyle. Do we get some ouchies on that one this morning? There's not a constant, continual cultivation. I've had individuals, and I understand work schedules, and I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not talking about your work schedule. I'm talking about a lifestyle. That when you get into a place and, and all of a sudden the, the accumulation of wealth and means and all of that stuff begins to choke out the very, the very word of God. Now, we had an individual in this church not too many years ago. A young man that most of you would not even remember. But he came steadily. He came faithfully. He was here life class. He was here Sunday morning. And he was here Wednesday night. He was broker than a spoke. He needed a job. His dream job was to become a state-to-state a, a, a -state trucker. He wanted a job. That would be the end all. He was faithful to the house of God. He loved the, the word of God. You could start to see changes in his life. I just need that job. That job is what I need. And he got that job. Now I haven't seen him since. I saw him one day in a restaurant. I came up to him, brother, how you doing? The joy had left his face. His countenance was no longer filled with light. It was filled with heaviness. Why? Because he got what he was after and he did not need. That's what I'm talking about. Make sure that our pursuit and our heart is ready to receive what it is God has in store for us, that there's nothing takes precedence over him. Now, as you look here, those are the three soil types that take place. But then there's the fourth. It's the good ground. It's the ground that has been cultivated. It's the ground of the responsible here. It is the ground of the cultivated heart. A heart that is prepared and open to receive. It is a heart that is maintained and ready to believe. It is a heart that is a productive heart, living to be what the Word says I am. Oh, that is the heart that you go out and the garden is planted, but it's not just planted, the soil is broke up, it is prepared. What is it prepared for? It's prepared for the seed. And in that seed, as it's put into the ground, it is protected against all the other Weeds that would try to come in and choke out. Weeds of bitterness, weeds of worldliness, weeds of riches, weeds of pri uh, wrong priorities, wrong relationships. You're guarding that. It's a heart because the heart understands, I want to be what the seed says that I am. Amen? Now, I'm just going to have to get to this as I look at this. I, it was so wonderful. I went outside and, and I looked uh, there's a tomato plant, and yes, Andrea nailed me on this because, well, actually, 
let me let me back that up. I'll, I'll give her credit in just a minute. This is a little cherry tomato, and I picked that this morning off of my strawberry bush. This this tomato right here came off my strawberry bush. You should see it. It's it's just there's strawberry bush, and and I got this tomato off of that. Now, I went. Now this is not formed, but it's just starting. I I picked this apple. Verify, that's an apple. It's a small apple, but it's an apple. I picked this apple, Pastor Angel, I picked that off my pear tree. I picked this one off my pear tree. Now, love fresh veggies. We eat a lot of fresh veggies and had a wonderful individual bring me a yellow squash. You know where they told me they got this? They pulled this yellow squash off of their watermelon vine and they brought this to me. You're thinking, preacher, you may know a little bit about the word, and you do okay, but you don't know anything about agriculture. I'm being a little bit facetious, and and, and to show you that in order to have a, a tomato, what do you have to have? Oh my! If you're going to have an apple, then what do you? What kind of tree do you have to have? Oh, you're good. And if you're going to have yellow squash, what do you have to have? Yes. Here's the truth, and this is what I want to get to as we talk about the seed. Mm. If I were to break this open, which I'm not going to, I'm going to set it in my window and let it finish ripening. And usually these I just wash off and pop in. Sometimes I don't even wash them off. Love them. Love the vine ripened ones. But if I were to bite this in half, you know what I would find in the middle of this? Seed. If I were to break open that squash, what am I going to find? If I take the, the apple and cut it in two, what are you going to find? See, this fruit is a result not just of the plant, but it is a result of the seed. And within the DNA of the seed, it declares, doesn't even have to declare, it just produces what is in the DNA to produce. Not one time, not multiple times, but if the, if the condition is what it needs to be, if the the Ground is prepared, maintained, and watered. And this is where she gets credit. Because I come in and say, oh, do I have any tomatoes on the tomato plant today? She said, you're so funny. I planted them, I watered them, I fertilized them, but you pick them, and so thus it's your tomatoes. (laughs) I said, exactly, exactly. Can I get a witness? But we see with in this tomato, I can put it in the ground and wish it to be an apple, wish it to be a squash. I can wish all day long, but the truth is it will be what the seed says it is because that is how the seed works. Now, with that thought, let me just share a few thoughts with you. Now, the seed is the constant. 
as I put forth the word and as Jesus sows the seed, as the Spirit sows the seed through any sower, there's a one in four chance that it'll land on good ground, but it doesn't change what's in the DNA of that seed. It doesn't, that seed is always the same. If I'd walk by, even on our property, and I see a little sprig of a weed coming up through a crack in the, in the sidewalk, it always reminds me how willing the seed is to produce. The unfruitfulness is not a result of the incongruency or the resistance of the seed. The seed always and forever wants to produce fruit. Some 60, some 100, some 30-fold. But as we look here, what we must know, folks, is that the seed, the Word of God, is the same as the Lord Jesus says or declares in the Word, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. He didn't say it, but the author of Hebrews says it. Hebrews 13 and 8, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3.6, for I am the Lord and I do not change that's good news the seat God's word will not be altered we are not we don't reconcile God to us how unpowerful would that be because if I were to take God and reconcile him to myself in my walk of life, I would diminish the power of God. No, he came and he set me free. He came and broke down the prison walls and the doors. As we look here, we see three things, quick things, before I get into this deeper. The constant, the seed, it never changes. Understand this, church. I know we live in a chaotic world, a world where we need answers here, we need answers there, we need answers there, and absolutely we need answers. But the answer is the Word of God. Many times we want to take our human understanding, our reasoning skills, and we want to put, try to put rhyme and reason to all the difficulties and what we don't. Many times we try to change the book in order to accommodate more of the crowd. And the Lord's not interested in accommodating the crowd. He's interested in the crowd accommodating him and coming into his likeness because that's where the power is. To be what? Fruitful. 36 to 100 fold. Now, understand this. My emotions do not create God. My emotions, do, God is constant. My emotions do not create God. Alicia Choley wrote this. So often, we rest our victory on our emotions. If I feel God, then God exists. If the worship song is my favorite, then God is created. Because my feeling responds thus. To God, and He exists in my emotions. He can touch our emotions, but see, I don't create God, and my emotions do not create God. And it doesn't matter if I feel Him or if I don't, I'm not called to walk by feeling but by faith. Faith in what? Faith in the seed of God's Word, and it's much more powerful. Now, I love emotion. I love enthusiasm. One day, Madison, 
is going to teach me how to dance. I'd run like Michael, but I'm afraid I'd get winded when I turn that corner. I'll say to you, I love emotional, sporadic, enthusiastic worship. But they are not worshiping to create God. They're worshiping because they were created by God. And they understand that. And worship is coming from the inmost part of their being. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hear me. If I pray for the wayward hearer or those that resist it, I pray God would open your heart today to hear this. My experiences do not define God. My experience do not define God. Many times we get up and we say, I'm having a bad day. God is mad at me. No. I went through a bad experience and so God is bad. No. How do I know that? It's not just the experience, but the Bible tells me he's good, and he changes not. I love the example of Martin Luther, and just because I quote reform theologists does not mean I agree with all the reform theology, okay? It's like going to a yard sale. You go get what you can't live without, and you leave the rest, okay? And some good stuff, some good theology. And there's also some devastating stuff. And that you need to, you know, just hear what I'm saying today. Martin Luther was a, was a radical individual. We see that. He had to be. To bring the reformation about that took place. But he was also given to extreme mood swings. Any moody folks in here? Don't put your hands up. We'll have to get you out of that demon. No, I'm just kidding. He was, he was given to extremes. So melancholy funk came over him. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't make me sing it. I, I promised Judy I wouldn't sing this song. It's the gloom and despair. Oh, okay, as far as I'm going, as far as I'm going. Deep, dark. No, 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 no. Yes, refuse it. Thank you. Let's move on. He was, his wife got up one day. She dressed in all black as she was going to a funeral. And he asked her, Where, what funeral are you going to? She said, I'm going to God's funeral. He said, what woman? You're crazy. God's not dead. She said, then stop acting like it. See, we can get up and we are so wrapped up in our emotions. We believe that our emotions define God. God is defined by his word. He declared who he is, who, what he will do, and when he will do it, and how he will do it. And he does that through his word. One last thing before we get really into this message. This is all intro stuff. So this doesn't even count against my time. And unlike life class, I don't, I don't have somebody standing back there tapping my watch saying it's time to go. <laughs> That's what I had to do to my wife this morning. So anyway, so my emotions do not create God. If you'll get a hold of this, it'll change you. My experiences do not define God, and my exercises do not change God. 
I told you about our little trip to Hot Springs, and I've used this, and it's just the best example because it's just so real. Now, back when we lived there, I was closer to my, my oldest kid's age, and I could just shoot up the mountain that looks like you just, Mount Riante, it looks like you just, some parts of it, it feels like you could kiss the ground, you're walking so straight up. That hateful mountain is still the hateful mountain it's always been. Now, back when I was their age, I could get up that thing a whole lot better than I am 20 years later. But you know what? It doesn't matter if I go climb it 20 years from now, it's still going to be the same. But the only way that I would enjoy walking that mountain, and I enjoyed walking it the other day, just took me a little bit longer, is that I would become conditioned to that mountain. That mountain didn't just lay down for me so I could walk on level ground. It stayed the same. And I'm so thankful today that God stays the same. But what changes is me. And that's the beauty of the word of God and sowing the word in your heart. Stop trying to make God into your image. That's what we defined as idolatry. Just because you have not surrendered your heart to the freedom that God has in store for you, it doesn't mean that God doesn't have freedom for you. I don't seek God to change God. I seek God so that God will change me. I do not define him by my, uh, by my emotions or my experiences. I don't create him through my emotions. And I certainly do not change him through my spiritual exercises. If I do enough spiritual jumping jacks, then God will be changed and he will love me more. No, he loved me before I was ever changed that's how much so much that he gave his son to die for me on a cross now that was our introduction if you get hungry I've got some squash up here <laughs> don't mess with my tomatoes <laughs> now the seed Within this DNA of this seed tells what fruit that will come forth as a result of this. And when the seed comes into agreement, let me, let me back up. When the, the soil, soil, the soil, the soil. How do you say it in Spanish? Dierro. Does anybody in South Latin America say it different? Okay, we'll talk about that. Something like that. Okay. You got the soul. When the soul comes into agreement with the seed, Now, the soil and the seed produce what will be. For example, you can drive by, as we were driving by 380 yesterday, 
We looked out there a few weeks ago, there was an empty field. But the farmer cultivated that field and planted corn. Now you don't see an empty field, you see a cornfield. You go by a, a pecan orchard. Why do we call it a pecan orchard? Because seeds of pecan trees or saplings that originated from seeds were planted in a field. And now that, that field has a new identity. That field is now no longer an empty field full of weeds. It's been cultivated. Now it's a pecan orchard. Now it is an apple orchard. Now it is what that fruit says and declares that originated from that seed tells you what that is. So when you take the seed... Of, of, of God's word and it is in agreement with your heart you no longer are who you say you once were now you become what the seeds DNA declares you to be Amen. do you recall Genesis 3 the fall of man there was judgment that was put forth, but there was also a declaration from God himself. He said to the woman, you will, bear, you, will, you will suffer in childbirth. Now, Adam, because you would not partake freely and because you have sinned, now the, you're going to have to work by the sweat of your brow. But to the serpent, Satan, who brought the temptation, he said, here's, the, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to put enmity between your seed, which is disobedient carnal flesh, and her seed, which is not a little S, but a capital C, S, the seed being Jesus. So, tells me that the greatest threat to the kingdom of darkness is a heart prepared to receive the seed. You can affirm that whenever the deliverer was prophesied to come forth out of Israel. What did Pharaoh do? He went to destroy the seed. Then again, the Antichrist reared his ugly head at the time of Christ's birth, the seed. Now he went out to destroy the seed of Jesus by killing all the babes in Bethlehem under two years of age. What is the enemy still after? He's still after the greatest threat to his kingdom, which is the seed. Why do you believe that he puts so much emphasis on riches? Why do you believe he puts so much emphasis upon intellect that says, I don't need the knowledge of the word of God. I can make it on my own. Why do you believe that he wants to keep you out of the book and your heart away from God? It's because he knows full well if you ever prepare your heart to receive, if you will ever cultivate a relationship with the Lord, you will be in partnership with the seed and you will become 
become the greatest threat to his kingdom. And you will begin to produce 30, 60, 100 fold because the word of God will not lay dormant inside of you if you are prepared and you will nurture it and you will stay in agreement with it. You will be transformed and thus you will transform those around you. The Lord speaks to me, usually when I'm not even listening. I say that, what I mean to say is this. I will be prepared in altar prayer, maybe thinking one thing or another. Men have a beautiful ability to think of nothing. Women, you don't understand this at all. Your minds are like spaghetti. You're all over. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just the way you're geared. It's the way you're wired up. Clayton, am, am I lying? I mean, he's, he's licensed. He understands this stuff. Women, are they can think about anything. I mean, all the time, all at once. You ever sit in, guys, and listen to a woman's conversation as they're conversing with other women? They can go from, from, from hair color to diapers to the stock market, to housing designs, and, and all of this is just in one breath. <laughs> I don't comprehend that. My mind just, not, just it, doesn't, it doesn't trigger that way. There's a box, and I go open it up. <laughs> I get asked all the time, did you not hear that conversation? No, that box wasn't open. <laughs> I didn't have that, that. I was focused. It was it was the climax of the movie, and you want to start a conversation about toenails? No, I didn't hear. <laughs> and there's times we're driving, and there's not a word said for hours and hours. And what are you thinking about? Nothing. <laughs> it took her years to understand that literally, I've got a nothing box, and I can open it up. And there's nothing there. <laughs> so I'll relax. <laughs> nothing. So I'm, you understand now, I'm in the sanctuary and I'm just, I'm preparing myself and I'm thinking about nothing. <laughs> and the Lord spoke this to me. In the midst of all this chaos and all the crisis, social injustice, and the ugly truth of racism in our land, and politics, and fear, and pandemia everywhere, the Lord said, my word will transform generations. The seed of God's word in a heart prepared to agree will transform nations. 
There are those that are sitting in this house today who have given public testimony to the fact that when they got into the Word of God, started agreeing with the Word, started receiving the Word, started believing the Word, now the Word became an agreement with them and their lives are transformed and they are bearing fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. I want to say to you, church, we have the means and we have the measures. We have the equipment to transform generations. It is the Word of God, and the Word of God will change people. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Within the seed is the DNA, is the fruit. It declares what that fruit will be. I love the chorus that we sing. I am who he says I am. I am who the I am says I am. And the I am says this. I am the handiwork of God. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I am free, according to John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If you are free today, it's because you have come into agreement with what God says. And the Lord said, I am free. And when I am free, it's because I have taken the seed. And now I'm not who I was. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm not bound to my past. I'm not bound to my personality. I'm not bound to my political viewpoints. I'm not bound to the person I was. I am now in agreement with God and now I am free. I am free of depression. I am free of addiction. I am free of bitterness. I am free of unforgiveness. Why? Because the DNA is in the seed and the seed says to me, you're not who you were. You are brand new in Christ Jesus. What then shall we say in response to these things? What shall we say in response to the world? If God is for us, who can be against us? I'm on God's side. You're on God's side. So God's on our side. Why? Because we're in agreement. Because the seed has been sown in our heart, and now we are who God the I am says that we are. I'm a child of God. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I am a child of God. Now I was born to Barbara Ann Sanders and Eddie Elwood Sanders. I was born into this world and the, the chemical makeup of who I am, I came out a male. And I'm still a man. 
because it was in the DNA of the seed that I had no choice. I came out and I don't, just because I declare myself a puppy dog does not mean I'm a puppy dog. You're a hound dog. No, you're a man. How do you know? Because I was born a man. It's not because it was on my birth certificate. It's because it's in my DNA. Now, being born into a family comes with some propensities if that family is not worshiping and walking with God. There's some things that carry over into my life. But folks, hear me today. When you become a child of God, you have been given a brand new spiritual DNA. Now you are a child of God. And so I don't blame mama, I don't blame daddy, I don't blame the stepdaddy, I don't blame the things going on around me because I have been born again. I may have been born into this world with those things that brought devastation and destruction, but I have not been born again with those things. And thus, I am in agreement with God, you're in agreement with God, hear me today, if you've been born again, you are a child of God. And if you're a child of God, you're an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Let him decide who you are. Let the seed get inside of you and let the DNA of the seed declare what fruit you will bear. Amen? I'm a child of God. Do y'all have time for a couple more? Oh, I just needed one, but thank you for the ten. <laughs> But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm a royal priest of God. You are a royal priest of God. One last one, and we'll draw to a close. This will be my first closing. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everything ever needed, ever wanted, ever, everything required to make you into what you need to be is in him and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power Adam because you would not receive this freely there is a requirement on your part there's going to be seed time to harvest seed time to harvest seed time to harvest there's going to be seasons in your life that you will go through. And in those seasons, you have to prepare the soil in order to receive the seed. You have to maintain the soil in order that the seed may have opportunity to begin to break open and begin to germinate and begin to root so that the, the, it will spring forth and the, and the stalk will then begin to bring forth the bud and the bud will bring forth the fruit. But you have to cultivate it's just not a one and done. It's I start and now God continues. 
and I continue to stay in agreement, a pig will always return to the pig pen. A, a, an addict will always return to an addiction if they let loose of the word of God. You are not immune to the, the, the deceitfulness of riches or the cares of the world. You're not immune to the persecution that will come about as a result of the word of God. There are days where you're going to have to stand up for God. In your workplace, in your family, you're just going to say, it doesn't matter if all of you walk away, I will stand my ground. I will continue to follow God. It doesn't matter if every church on every corner is filled with hypocrites. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to go after God. I'm not saying I'm any better than them. I'm not saying I'm any worse than them. But my focus is Him and Him alone. And if I focus on Him, I can stay in the Word. I can stay in agreement. I'm not going to allow my personality and my temper tantrums and all the things that I may have inherited from someone else and some somewhere else I'm not going to allow my my experiences to define God God is a good God and God is a merciful God and God wants me to be fruitful he wants me to be fruitful so much that he fell to the ground and died otherwise he would abide he would abide alone See, in order for the seed of God's word to be powerful, the seed had to die so that it could be received, so that it could come alive in us, so that fruit may come forth. Do not take the reading of God's word as something lighthearted in a checklist on your spiritual calisthenics. Take hold of the word. Come into agreement with the word. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let the DNA of that word bring forth the fruit in your life. I was a broken, bitter, unforgiving sinner. I'd hurt people, I hurt myself. But it was only when God's word came alive in here that I continued to cultivate that relationship with him that any measure of goodness that I can give to you today has come forth as a result of his word. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. If you're looking, watching online, looking for a perfect church, they don't exist. And if you showed up to a perfect church, you'd ruin it anyway. Don't focus on those around you. Focus on your relationship with God. Come into agreement with this book. Let that seed come into your heart. Let the DNA of this seed declare who you are. I'm not who I was. You're not who you were. We're not living in that weed-infested garden. God's pulling it out today so that the 
the seed can produce the stock that will produce the fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. You know what we have in the world today? Uncultivated hearts filled with the weeds of the enemy's words. I believe the word of God is more powerful than the devil. I believe the word of light is more powerful than the words of darkness. I believe the words of hate will be overshadowed by the true meaning of the word of love. I believe that the bondage in our world today does not have a chance against the freedom you'll find in the DNA of the seed. Oh, does somebody need this today? I want you to stand as the worship team comes up right now. Merciful God, mighty God, risen Savior, steadfast, unmovable, unshakable, unalterable. God, we magnify your name. You are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy, Lord God of all praise. Of all honor, Lord, you said you would change generations. You will change nations, Lord God. Lord, there's a reason why there are nations in the world today that will not allow the word of God to come in because they know, Satan knows, that the greatest threat to his kingdom is, Lord God, the light of your word. There are reasons why you have so distracted individual that the enemy has so distracted individuals to keep them out of the word, offered them the perfect job, offered them persecution, caused them to believe that intellect was more important than revelation of your word. But God, I believe that there's some hearts today that say, I want to be in agreement. I want to be what the word tells me I am. I want to be what the I am says I am. And I believe that individual is here today. Right now, the cameras are going off. But before they do, let me say to those of you that are listening, you find an altar and you begin to ask God, say, Lord, I want to be in agreement with your word because of the privacy of those that are going to come to this altar. We are shutting off the camera right now. But I want to say to you in this house, if you're here and you needed this word, you're tired of living in that self-defeated attitude. You're tired of living in that addiction and that bondage and that bitterness.